Jones, 30, 35, 40, he's in midfield, and they'll never catch The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter, and down the sidelines is the sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me Your News Network, and this is the 49th episode of the podcast on November 29th, 2013. We're getting near the end of the year. It is Thanksgiving, the holiday where we all get full and we watch football and have a lot of pie. Seriously, pie is the best part of Thanksgiving, aside from the turkey, in my opinion. But what do I know? Joel is off this week. He gets the week off. You know, I had a couple weeks where I was having business travel, and he's visiting family on this holiday. So you get to have him enjoy his time off. Now, I'm doing the episode alone this week. You know, we're kind of giving it a shot here and seeing how it goes. That said, it's probably going to be a shorter one. We don't have the banter to go back and forth between Joel and I. But I think, you know, this kind of form gives me a little flexibility to just talk and just kind of, you know, shoot the shit about sports with you guys. I know it's kind of going to be fun here. Anyway, last week on the podcast, we talked about the Jameis Winston sexual assault case that's going on. Uh, Not much has happened about that. I think they've said that, you know, any decision would probably even come, you know, after the ACC title game, after the Heisman voting. And it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, the Heisman voters do take that into consideration. Definitely surprising to see Florida State not make any moves about that. I mean, they are dominating the competition. They wrap up the season with Florida this week, who we'll talk about Florida in a bit in the game that they lost. Anyway, I, I will, I suppose. I'm so used to, to Joel being here. That's that's interesting. Uh, anyway, like I was saying, you know, Florida State is dominating the competition, competition this year, and uh, you know, it's surprising that they have not sat Jameis Winston at all. But then again, they are undefeated. They're chasing a national championship title. It's going to be interesting to see how the Heisman voters uh, take that into consideration, though, with the the allegations hanging over his head. Uh, I talked about the Prince Fielder and Ian Kinsler trade between the Detroit Tigers and Texas Rangers in baseball. Very interesting that uh, Prince Fielder took the number 84 in Texas. You know, usually not a number that baseball players wear. Uh, and it's very interesting, the reaction here in Detroit, you know, where I'm based out of. 84 is a big number to the Detroit Tigers franchise because 1984 is the last time the team won a World Series. And (laughs) I don't know if it's Prince Fielder being bitter against the Detroit Tigers, or at least that's the angle sports radio has taken here. But, you know, kind of seeing that he's going to try to get back to the Tigers for trading him, so he's going to spite them and wear the number 84. Very, very interesting decision, that. And then we also talked about Alex Rodriguez's and his suspension arbitration appeal and the dramatics that he has gone through with that. Now, nothing has been really made out of that uh, since then, but it'll be something to keep an eye on if a decision is made by the end of the year. If he's going to be sticking with the 211-ish games or whatever that long suspension is that you know Bud Selig handed down, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Not much in the red zone this week, I'll tell you. You know, three big sports stories. We recorded last Friday, and now it's been a Friday. We meant to record on Wednesday, have it be less than a week, so we didn't have much on the outline here. But what we do have is the three football games from Thanksgiving, the NFL games. And I figured, 
I'd break it down for you and you know kind of talk about some of the bigger stories in each of those games because each kind of had their little moments, I suppose. And then we'll also go into the uh, the predictive element of our show where we talk about you know maybe making some future predictions. But it's just me this week, and we'll see how that goes. We're going to start at the twenty yard line. It was the first game at twelve thirty p.m. Eastern on this Thanksgiving Thursday. It was the Detroit Lions hosting the Green Bay Packers. Lions favored by six. Now, Green Bay, they had their fourth quarterback this year that they were starting. Now, four quarterbacks in the season, they've been riddled by injuries. I mean, Aaron Rodgers goes down with a collarbone injury about four weeks ago. They have Seneca Wallace coming as backup. Uh, had backed up, you know, the Seattle Seahawks for quite some time. More of a mobile quarterback. He gets hurt. Then they had Scott Tolzien out of Wisconsin, who is, you know, the next in line, the third string. And last week they decided that Tolzien wasn't doing the job uh, in their game against Minnesota. That game that we'll talk about it ended in a 26-26 tie. Uh, ties in the NFL, those always make for some stories because you always have players that forget the rules and think that it just goes on and on and on. And the games can end in ties? What is this? <laughs> that's, that's just crazy. Anyway, you had Scott Tolzien not doing a good enough job, and so they bring in Matt Flynn. Now, Matt Flynn... Uh, the big game that he had was against the Detroit Lions was at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. He threw for about 480 passing yards. And that game, Matt Stafford threw for about 520 as the Packers torched the Lions at the end of the season. Now, this got Matt Flynn a big deal uh, as far as a contract. He was a free agent, big contract in Seattle. He got cut. Moved on to Oakland. He got cut in favor of Terrell Pryor. Now, Terrell Pryor ended up playing you know, quite well at the start of the season for Oakland, and then he got injured. Now it's Matt McGloin, the Matt McGloin experience, the Penn State quarterback, and he's trying to perform, but he's just not as mobile as Pryor. Anyway, Matt Flynn is back in Green Bay, and he was starting this game for the Green Bay Packers against the Lions. You know, big game for the Lions. Uh, they were 6-3. and three. They go to Pittsburgh. Tough game. Uh, they lose with a lot of turnovers. Then they come back home and play Tampa Bay who had lost eight straight games to start the season. They had won you know, a couple games. They were on a little bit of a roll, but still, not a good team. And the Lions fall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with, again, a lot of turnovers. Then you see the first quarter of this Packers-Lions game, the Lions turned the ball over three times. Yeah, a fumble, an interception, and then another interception. Uh, it was looking downhill from there. Green Bay ended up only scoring 10 points in the game. Uh, you know, the first... Three points as a field goal, 54-yarder. Uh, kudos to Mason Crosby for that. And then it was a, a fumble that ended up going in the end zone for a touchdown. Otherwise, the Detroit Lion defense you know, stood up and they handled business against an inferior Green Bay Packer team. Uh, you know, Shutting down the run game and just torching them on offense. Uh, it, was, it was close early, but Detroit pulled away and you know, handled business 40-10. to 10. You know, A 30-point victory definitely covers the six-point spread. The NFC North is in a complete mess. Just not a good division at all. And, you know, there was some potential at the beginning of the year. You know, Detroit might have a good year. Chicago might have a good year. I think we had, Joel and I both had Chicago winning the NFC North in our predictions. And even Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers could stay healthy, Green Bay had a chance to, you know, pull things together. However, that's not the case. And coming into this week, you had the teams all, you know, Six and five with Detroit and Chicago tied at the top of the division. Six and five is your best. Meanwhile, you look at 
the NFC West, and that's being hailed as football's best division right now, is true because the weakest teams in that division, Arizona and Seattle, they were 6-5 and five at the same time. And then you had San Francisco and Seattle, and you know Seattle's been very impressed with the 10-1 record to start the season. But the worst in the NFC West matched the best in the NFC North. It's not a good division up in the North right now. And so it makes our make the play here. We have the predictive element of the show. Who wins the NFC North? And it's it's going to be close. Uh, Minnesota is certainly out of it. They've had a you know lackluster season. Can't get the quarterback situation straightened away between Christian Ponder and the Josh Freeman experience coming over from Tampa Bay. And Adrian Peterson has been banged up a little bit. He hasn't lived up to his you know two thousand yard hopes and you know the record that he was trying to pursue last year. Now, Green Bay does probably get Aaron Rodgers back uh, this coming uh, week. He was inactive for this game. And that was the only reason that, you know, I thought, oh, goodness, you know, just watch. Aaron Rodgers comes in at halftime. He's going to you know, light up the light, the Lions, and uh, it's going to be just a dreadful experience. No, he was inactive, so he could not do that. And I think that was the only thing, you know, stopping that from happening. But Green Bay could pull together some wins with Aaron Rodgers coming back. But they are a team that's, you know, I think lost four or five. And you know, then then that might be the the tie. They've been a wreck without him, and they really need to pull it together if they want a chance to win the division. Uh, this loss to the Lions is is just a backbreaker. They split, you know, the series with the Lions. The Lions are two and zero on the Bears, so that definitely gives the tiebreaker there. Uh, now the Lions, uh, you know, I I know them, you know, being the the local team. They go at Philadelphia, home against Baltimore, which earlier in the season those looked like winnable games. Now they pose more of a threat. Then you have home against the uh, New York Giants. Still an easier game, but you know with the Giants playing better, and I don't know that loss against Dallas might have been backbreaking. We'll have to see this coming Sunday. And then you end away at Minnesota. Uh, so I think if the Lions at least split those two, they go in two and two, they win the division. I mean, you feel a lot better with you know that win in Green Bay. That at least the fans in Detroit do. Um, there is no excuse, I think, for the Lions. You know, for them not to make the playoffs. Uh, this is something they haven't done since the early '90s. And if obviously in the NFC North, the division winner is getting the playoffs. That's a given. But there's no wild card coming out of this terrible division. So it's you know make the playoffs or bust for the Detroit Lions. And you know going into the season, that was questionable. But with this division being as bad as it is because of all these injuries. It's right there for the Lions to take, and heads might have to roll if you know that doesn't happen for the Detroit Lions. Anyway, making to the ten yard line here, uh, the four thirty game on CBS was the Oakland Raiders going to the host and uh, Jerry World at AT and T Stadium, going to Dallas to play the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys ten point favorites at home, minus ten, and <laughs> opening kickoff. Cowboys are taking it back. Fumble, questionable call. I mean, called fumble on the field. Might have had the knee down. It was starting to come a little loose. It was definitely one of those not enough evidence to fully overturn indisputably uh, for the call. And the Raiders take the fumble back for the touchdown. First play in the game, it just you know sucks the air right out of the stadium. Now I gotta admit, I did not see as much of this game. This was the the dinner time with the family. You know, some, some good turkey and some corn pudding and sweet potatoes and mac and cheese with bacon bits in it. But enough about my Thanksgiving dinner. Let's get back to the football. 
DeMarco Murray, big, big, big game. Three rushing touchdowns. I don't know if anyone had him you know, starting in their fantasy league, but definitely a lot of teams with them on their bench, mine included. So, whoops. Um, you know, obviously, you know, that, that rushing attack really helped, you know, the Cowboys come back because it was a 21-7 to game. And when you're looking at a 10-point favorite and, you know, the Raiders with Matt McGloin. I just like the word McGloin. It just does not sound like a quarterback name at all. Anyway, the uh, you know, the Cowboys have their rushing attack, and that helps them bring them back in the game. A big Des Bryant catch. Uh, Tony Romo played serviceably. You know, he had some some big weeks these past few weeks with you know leading big comebacks, and you know this helped. But I think you know rushing the ball definitely helped them get back into it. Now the NFC East, as you you know start to get to the last four weeks, the last quarter of the season. That one's a little more suspect as far as the the race. I mean, granted, the, the North does have their couple teams at the top, but it's certainly more defined as you know who the contenders in the division are. The Redskins are out of it. Uh, you know, Robert Griffin III, not the same player. I don't know if they're still trying to be a little hesitant. They're not letting him run the ball as much, and that's not helping their offense. I mean, they've had you know some garbage points at the end of games, but... That's not a team that has looked good compared to last year. Then you have the Giants, who started off losing six in a row. They pulled back with a few wins in a row, and then that tough loss to Dallas. Uh, That was their season in a nutshell right there. They're more or less out of it. So now you had both Dallas and Philadelphia at six and five. Dallas gets this win. It's a big win. And Philadelphia, i got to check who they're playing. But, you know, they have a big game coming up as well. Can they keep the pace? They are playing Arizona at home, which has not usually been as favorable for the Eagles lately. They had that 10-game home losing streak, which they recently broke. And Arizona, tough team. We'll see how uh, Joel and I pick those games in the pick six, because I guess I do have Joel's picks to share. So we make the play here. Will Dallas win the NFC East? I think they do. I think they do. I mean, Chip Kelly, still new to the NFL. And a team, you got to think, Philadelphia's got to show that they can win more reliably at home. Because you win a division, and you have a home playoff game. I mean, you got to take care of business at home. And, you know, Dallas does play well at home. That That's a nice advantage that they have. And I think they just have a more balanced team right now. Uh, Dallas starting to prove himself, especially in close games. Showing the resiliency, coming from behind. And... I think that's going to serve them well. It really is going to you know break down the schedule, uh, which I, I don't have right in front of me at this moment, but I just feel more confident in the way Dallas is playing right now, and I think they'll take care of business in the NFC East, which that's too bad because both Jill and I at the beginning of the year said it would be Washington, and uh, that uh, turned out quite wrong. Finally, the nightcap game, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. There's the stat that's going out there. The nine of the last ten games that these two teams have played, this game included, the point spreads and the final scores have been within three points. And that's never happened before in NFL history, where nine out of ten games are decided by three points or less. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Baltimore ends up winning this one, although they were only favored by two and a half points. So technically, Pittsburgh would get the win if we were picking against the spread because Baltimore wins by two. And Pittsburgh's down by eight. You know, time running out in the game. And gosh, you had a, just a horrific, 
horrific collision at the goal line with Le'Veon Bell. Who Le'Veon Bell went to school at Michigan State, so I you know watched him play. You know, local local team. You know, rival to my Michigan Wolverines. But you hate to see what happened to him. You're going for the goal line, trying to reach the ball across, and he gets popped right on the the helmet. I don't think a, a, a you know, penalty was called at all. His helmet goes flying, and with the way he lands back on the turf with you know a helmetless head, uh, it's just that you know frozen, you know unconscious state and uh, horrific to look at. And then. You look at the network TV coverage, and they show the replays again and again, and we get the point. You don't want to, you know, see the really graphic nature of football. It exists, obviously, but the way that replays glorify it, I think that can rub a lot of people the wrong way, and that's it's troubling to see. Uh, but you know, not only was that a big issue with the game, I mean, basically, you know, Pittsburgh is down by eight. They mark the ball just short. Even though it looked like he crossed the plane, they go to review that play because then they ended up marking it at the half-yard line. So a couple plays later, Pittsburgh punches in, and it's like it almost felt like Le'Veon Bell getting his his head wrung like that was was for nothing. And that's that's just unfortunate. Hopefully he gets he feels better soon because that was just, that was horrific. And you gotta as a referee, you gotta call that penalty. I mean. There were some pretty ridiculous helmet-to-helmet hit calls uh, in the Detroit Lions game. Uh, nothing as egregious as that. Uh, and then Pittsburgh, you know, ends up falling short on the two-point conversion. So, you know, Baltimore gets a two-point win and, you know, has that that point spread thing, uh, the record continue. But the other story that's really coming out of this, and it's another officiating blunder, as it were. I don't know, maybe a little more comedic. It's been, you know, t- taking a little bit in jest after the game. Baltimore Ravens are, you know, taking a kickoff back. And Jacoby Jones, a you know, very skilled return guy, he's going down the sideline. Almost seems to have a, a clear break. And Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers coach, has his foot on the field. Standing too close to the field of play, you know, he, he is down the sidelines, is what Mike Tomlin's doing. And he's watching the play on the Jumbotron, so he says. He is looking away from the play, so he doesn't see Jacoby Jones running until it's you know too late that he sees himself on the Jumbotron. And they show the close-up of his foot, and it's there on the field. It's not, you know, clear like it's probably half of his foot on the field, but enough. And, you know, Jacoby Jones has to make a little bit of a cut. So a defenseman can, you know, catch up to him and tackle him. If he goes straight down the sideline, he's probably gone. Um, so you could say, like, oh, if, you know, the coach should have whatever advantage he could. But it's also part of the referees there. I think you got to notice those things, especially if you had the line judge. That was right there. And Mike Tomlin is not standing with a bunch of coaches. He's kind of just out there on his own. So... That was a little goofy, and it asks us here to make the play. Will Mike Tomlin be fined by the NFL for unsportsmanlike conduct? Because if I'm not mistaken, the Baltimore Ravens had a similar situation where uh, the the New York Jets they were playing. I think they were penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct. So, will Mike Tomlin be fined retroactively because he was you know doing this kind of action? I don't think so. I mean, the Ravens end up winning in the end, so there's not much of a contest there. What, would they have won by more points? 
so that you know that you know less than three point margin would have been a factor and you can't you know single plays out like that you know games are won and lost by a multitude of plays and you can't say you know one play made a huge amount of difference uh, plus that's not a finable offense i mean probably i'm sure the nfl give him a mike tomlin a stern talking to like you can't do that anymore you got to be a little more mindful but a fine no i don't know that's that's ridiculous who would even come up with a question like that that's just crazy talk Anyway, let's go through the replay quickly. You know, we're making this a bit of a shorter episode here on Down the Sidelines. Uh, Texas A&M at LSU, we start in college football. Minus four and a half for Louisiana State. And they really took care of business. 34 to 10. Shut Johnny Manziel down. I think that ends his Heisman candidacy. Especially when you look at a player like Jameis Winston, who, yes, he's in that you know, legal trouble, but no, no official charges against him. But he's been playing just out of his mind. And I got to say... I think, you know, the Northern Illinois quarterback, you know, the name isn't coming to me right excuse me, right at the moment, but Northern Illinois quarterback might be making a push to have his name called to go to New York. Uh, rushing, you know, he's just setting all these rushing yard records over in the MAC and, you know, getting some national attention as that team, I believe, is undefeated in the MAC. Uh, they still have the MAC championship game to be played and anything can happen, that's for sure, but uh, Northern Illinois... Huskies are having an impressive year for sure. Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, plus 16.5 for the Badgers. They win 20-7, to so Minnesota technically with the win as far as our picking against the spread goes. You know, this is a big game for Minnesota at home. They had won four straight games in the Big Ten, which is it's crazy for them. They were ranked in the top 25 at 25, I believe. And against the big rival, Wisconsin, with the, the Paul Bunyan's Axe Trophy. And, you know, they couldn't get it done. And that's, that's too bad. And they have had a, a better year than expected, especially with the coach Jerry Kill, the seizures, epilepsy. Um, who knows if he's coming back. Uh, you got to wish all the best for him, of course, and that he's he's you know starting to feel better. I think he's been attending games, just you know, now with the coaching role. He has Minnesota, couldn't get it done. Wisconsin didn't blow him out uh, like some of us expected. And that, that was surprising for sure. 20 to 7, though, the final there for the Badgers. BYU at Notre Dame. It was an even line, and Notre Dame took care of business 23 to 13. Uh, BYU, I thought, you know, the defense could have handled them better. But, you know, the Fighting Irish have crawled back in, you know, the top 25 rankings for a reason. They've, you know, started to pull some wins together. And we're going to see a big game for them as they go out to Palo Alto this week. Arizona State at UCLA plus 2.5. I mean, this is big. Big, big game to try to you know, get to the Pac-12 championship. And the Sun Devils, 38-33. to uh, That's a, a surprising win. The Sun Devils are also uh, in the top 25, Arizona State. But you know, UCLA at home, I you know, thought they could have you know, taken care of business there. Arizona State with the win. Missouri at Mississippi, plus 2.5. And Mizzou, 24-10. Just handling the Rebels. And then, you know, Mississippi and Mississippi State, they played a game yesterday in the uh, the Egg Bowl for the Golden Egg Trophy. I don't know if you guys saw this one. You know, Mississippi State misses the field goal to win the game at the end of regulation. So they go into overtime tied. You know, what else would they go into overtime, right? So they're tied. Mississippi State gets the first touchdown. And so it's, you know, Ole Miss's turn to respond. Their quarterback takes the ball up the middle running. Pretty much seems like a clear path for a touchdown. And about the one-yard line, he gets popped. The ball fumbled into the end zone. Mississippi State recovers 
That's how the game ends. You turn it over what seemed to be a sure touchdown. A heartbreaking loss. And just after a, a crushing loss from Missouri, I mean, that, that's a tough way to lose for Mississippi back-to-back weeks. Missouri looking to be in good position to represent the SEC East, but we'll see what happens with uh, South Carolina this coming week. Uh, that'd be tomorrow, actually, since we're recording here on a, a Friday. Baylor at Oklahoma State, probably the sur- No, I wasn't going to say it was the surpri- surprise of the week. It's not really the surprise of the week, and we'll get to what really was. Oklahoma State at home, you know, 10-point underdogs for the Cowboys at home. Baylor turning the ball over in the red zone, not able to match, and the defense really let them down. Oklahoma State, 49-17. They might be your Big 12 champs. And that's that's so tough for me because I pick Baylor on a whim at the beginning of the year for your Big 12 champs. They go undefeated up until that point. And the Cowboys, who had been up and down, uh, you know, Joel can even attest to that, you know, they win that, that tough battle with the Cowboys for the uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. West Virginia winning that game in Oklahoma State. And then the Cowboys gutsy it up here a little bit. They really put on a beatdown of Baylor. 49-17 there. And then you had the extra point. Now this, this was the surprise of the week. Oregon, you know, that offense and you know, the defense that pulls it all together. Favored by 20.5 against the Arizona Wildcats. Rich Rodriguez. And Rich Rod, 42-16 victory against Arizona. Now, against Oregon. Arizona at home, but beating Oregon to that degree. Now we had seen, you know, a just a, a manhandling of you know Oregon at the hands of Stanford. But at least at the end of that game, Oregon was trying to make a, a blitzkrieg to try to come back to win that one. Arizona, a team you know known for a high powered offense, not the best defense, just handled the Ducks. And now the Ducks are in the Civil War with the Oregon State Beavers. Now they're back in Autzen Stadium in Eugene. And it's right now you got you're halfway through the second quarter. Oregon's up 14 to 7. But wow, they you know they go from the number fifth ranked team in the country down to 13 with that loss. Uh, that is that is tough. Now they weren't going to be going to the Pac-12 championship game, but you gotta like their would have liked their chances for a very high BCS bowl, and that's not looking too likely right now. Uh, Joel had that as his extra point since West Virginia was off this week. And I had Michigan going to Iowa. Iowa favored by six. Who They handled Nebraska today, the Hawkeyes. And, you know, they fought back and beat Michigan 24-21. Michigan was up 21-7 at half, did not score a point the second half. Uh, Just crushing this this season for a Michigan Wolverine fan, I'll tell you. And we'll get to their last big game of the season. Um but because Iowa is favored by six and they only won by three, that means Michigan got the win. And so it is my great displeasure, something I never thought I would do, you know, hosting a sports podcast and, you know, just talking and talking now uh, on said podcast. I went 0-7 last week. That is shameful. Shame on me. I don't think that's really ever happened. Maybe it happened once. Someone, you know, predicting the games. But it takes a special kind of ineptitude to go 0-7 on the college football picks. A coin flip would have had better chances to pick 
than what I was doing to try to be logical. And this college football season, if you've been listening to the show, it's been anything but illogical. You know, I, we had winning records, Joel and I, last year, and I, I've been like easily 10 games under 500. Boo! This goes right in the stinker. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm appalled. I would say you guys deserve better. But I'm, you know, I try to give you entertaining sports talk along with Joel every week, and you know, still try to be entertaining. So, hopefully, that said, we'll go into the college football pick soon. And I almost think, like, should I pick opposite of what I would do? But now nah, I gotta be, gotta be true to myself. I, I gotta have a, a week to bounce back. And even though it's the last regular season college football game, or regular season college football games, I think. Wow, it's really coming to a close quickly. Anyway, Joel went 2-5. and five. It wasn't a great week for him either, but at least he got wins on the board. 0-7? Oh, it's ridiculous. NFL recap, Pittsburgh went to Cleveland uh, before they had their game yesterday, and they beat Cleveland 27-11. to uh, A tough game for the Cleveland Browns. They lose Jason Campbell to an injury, so they're back to... Oh my goodness, what is his name? The old guy. I wasn't going <laughs> to. Brady Quinn first came to mind, and that's not who it is. The Brandon Whedon experiment. Uh, yes, yes, Brandon Whedon. Um, and they. I think Josh Morgan had a big game, though. Maybe he was injured, too. It was fun for Cleveland to flirt with the possibility of making the playoffs because that AFC North is struggling, but Pittsburgh had you know, handled business uh, there you know, for the past couple weeks. Minnesota, Green Bay, uh, you know, Packers were favored by four and a half. They tied 26-26 in overtime. So Minnesota technically gets the the win against the picks here. <laughs> and some of these players, when they think that you know, there are ties, I mean, Donovan McNabb, you know, famous for, you know, not knowing that NFL games could end in ties. But some of these players thought that the games just kept going. It kept going. And, you know, they traded uh, field goals at the start of the playoffs. But, you know, the rules are now in overtime games that, if the team that gets the ball first kicks a field goal, then the other team has a chance to respond. So Green Bay ended up kicking the field goal, and so they continued and were pretty inept the rest of the overtime period, which was shocking. Um, of course, the rule is that if the first team gets the ball and they score a touchdown, that's when the game's over. Um, but hey, trade field goals, and then you're just inept for the rest of the overtime. Uh, really, really surprising. Always strange uh, when a game ends in overtime, and it does even crazier things with the standings, that's for sure. New York Jets at the Baltimore Ravens, you know, before Baltimore uh, handled Pittsburgh yesterday. Uh, they beat down the Jets 19-3, uh, covered that four-point spread, and really made it look easy. Dallas Cowboys at New York Giants. Giants favored by one at home. This is the game that, you know, you might start to make a push to the playoffs, salvage a possibly lost season, and Dallas comes back and gets a 24-21 victory. Just crushing for the Giants. Not as crushing of a loss, though, as Denver Broncos hosts are going to New England to face the Patriots. It's the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady round 13 or whatever it was. Now, Denver was favored by a point, and it looked like a lot more. Denver up 24 to nothing at half. Then Tom Terrific. Tom Brady showing no fear, going right down the field, Coming back in the second half, taking the lead, and Denver has to, you know, take the lead back, and then New England gets a field goal. They go to overtime, and New England gets the field goal in overtime. They win the game. So, New England with the win in the points against the spread. 
crushing, crushing loss for Denver. What can you say? You lose a 24-point lead at halftime, and yet halftime is when the momentum swings. You, you got to... You know, watch those games sometimes when it looks like a big blowout. That's when the momentum shifts and it starts to turn around. Now, it usually doesn't come back all the way, but oh my goodness, that that was very, very surprising. And then San Francisco uh, blew out Washington. Uh, you know, San Francisco favored by six. They win 27-6. to six. Washington did not look good at home. Uh, they were throwing out the stat as the first game of Robert Griffin III's college and pro career where his team did not score a touchdown. Uh, that just shows you the ineptitude that the Redskins are playing with this year and compared to what Robert Griffin III has shown that he's capable of. So, very surprising. I went 4-2 there. Joel went 2-4. So, I redeemed myself the winning record in the NFL, but my, my terrible, terrible college football woes continue. I, I still cannot believe that. 0-7. And, and you're listening to this podcast. Oh, my goodness. I, well, thank you for listening, of course, but... I gotta redeem myself this week. Let's get in the pick six. Week fourteen of college football. It's really getting to the end. Uh, you know, next week we're gonna be talking about these big, you know, conference matchups, conference title matchups, you know, Big Ten title games, Pac twelve, SEC. It's gonna be all over the place. We'll start in the Big Ten. The game, especially for yours truly, as my alma mater, Michigan, hosts. The Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, Ohio State, by the way, they are encouraged tomorrow for this Scarlet Letter Day to spurn the letter M for that team up north. So, yes, Urban Iyer and Braxton Iller are going to take the field against the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Michigan Wolverines. I'm sorry, I can't take that seriously. I mean, you can't. You can say, you know, oh, Brady Hoke calls the Buckeyes Ohio. Uh, that's that's the thing up here, and you know, great rivalry between Michigan and Ohio State. But it's not going to be close tomorrow. If I can be completely honest, as a Michigan fan, it's going to be a bloodbath. Ohio State needs those style points. If Auburn beats Alabama tomorrow in the Iron Bowl, which we'll talk about soon. There's a chance that Auburn passes Ohio State into that national championship picture. And to think that if Ohio State runs the table undefeated in two seasons and can't get to the national championship game, it's a weak Big Ten. You got to think that might factor into it. So Urban Meyer is going to want those style points. He is going to run up the score. And I know you can say, oh, it's a rivalry. You can throw out, you know, anything. That's why they play the game. You play to win the game. Not in this case. You know, Ohio State, too talented. Michigan, the season that they've had, just some downright shameful performances. And the spread is 14 and a half. I would not be surprised if it's 28. Give me the Buckeyes over my Michigan Wolverines in just a, a crushing crushing game that I'm so hesitant to watch. Alabama at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. It's the biggest Iron Bowl ever in Alabama there. Uh, Auburn hosting 10.5 point underdogs as the two-time defending championship uh, Crimson Tide of Alabama coming into town. Number one Alabama. Number four Auburn. It's going to be a great one. Um, Auburn was a team that when we had you know making the play and making a prediction during the uh, the first BCS standings, Auburn was sitting there at number 11. 
And I was saying that, you know, if there's a chance that a team outside the top 10 goes and plays for the national championship game, it would be Auburn. That they continued to run the table in the SEC and they would beat Alabama. And I think they have a good chance of doing so. At the very least, I think they prevent Alabama from covering that 10.5 point spread. Alabama may be the more balanced team. I think, you know, like, like Auburn at home to at least keep it close. 3.30 p.m., definitely give that one a watch. I'm taking Auburn and Joel has Alabama there. Getting in some of these night games here, and there are quite, you know, several here. Notre Dame at Stanford as they go to Palo Alto. The Cardinal are two touchdown favorites. Uh, Notre Dame at Stanford minus 14 at 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'll take the Irish. Uh, just a gut feeling there. 14 feels like a lot with Stanford. That you know they they have started to play better and you know on offense and starting to blow up teams. But Notre Dame has you know made their way back in the top 25 for a reason. I think Stanford wins. I think it's close, even if it's 10 points. That doesn't cover the 14. So I'll take Notre Dame, and I think Joel has more confidence in the Cardinal there because Joel is taking Stanford. Clemson at South Carolina minus five and a half. It's it's trendy to pick Clemson, which Joel did here. But I'm going to take South Carolina. At home, the SEC tested toughness. I think they're still playing for a chance to represent the SEC East, so they're going to have that. And I think you got to like the defense. Jadavian Clowney and that defensive line to put pressure on Taj Boyd uh, and to try to neutralize some of that offensive attack. So... Five and a half may seem like a lot if it's you know a close game like that, especially if it gets to be a shootout. But I'll take the SEC experience of the Gamecocks of South Carolina while Joel gets the Tigers. And I think those are the only ones we're split on. He had Ohio State, rightfully so, uh, for that one. We're going to go now again into an, uh, an SEC, all-SEC game here. Texas A&M at Missouri minus four and a half at 7.45 p.m. Eastern time. I'll take Mizzou, and so does Joel. Texas A&M did not look impressive last week. And, you know, them going on the road to the Tigers, who have SEC Championship game aspirations, I'll take the Tigers. Uh, they've been, you know, playing quite well, especially with how they handled Ole Miss, who also, you know, at home had you know, quite a chance to win that. Just a 24-10 game there. Um, Mizzou this year. Gotta like Mizzou's chances, especially against... Uh, Johnny Manziel coming off a, a rough performance. I don't know if, how well he can bounce back there. Then UCLA at USC, minus 3.5. Ed Ogeron kind of putting the program a little bit back together after the Lane Kiffin firing. Uh, he's got them playing hard. They might get Marquise Lee back on the wideout. Uh, and I think that gives them you enough offensive firepower to blow past UCLA. I think at least 7 for USC. I'm, I'm confident in thinking that they'll they'll take care of business there. But what do I know? I just went 0-7. So we're going to end with the extra point. Iowa State at Joel's West Virginia Mountaineers. Minus 9.5, and, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. We'll take West Virginia there. Iowa State have had some surprising performances, but West Virginia is headed down year, and they're playing at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So let's wrap it up at home. Have Joel go to Morgantown, watch his Mountaineers play that game, put up a 10 spot on the Cyclones of Iowa State. So yes, Joel and I both have the extra points since both our teams are playing. So we'll look at that uh, Iowa State-West Virginia game as your extra point in case you have your team already playing in that pick six. 
As far as the NFL goes, uh, we'll look at first big AFC South matchup. Indianapolis is two games up on the Tennessee Titans, but the Colts host the Titans, and they are four-point favorites. The Colts are at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Indianapolis trounced by Arizona last week. That was 40 to... I don't know what it was, but there's a really big statistic floating around out there that Indianapolis is just awful in the first half these last several games. They just keep getting blown out in the first half, and sometimes when they've had wins, they've had to rely on Andrew Luck to come back and pull them out of the fire. I think they resolve that this week at home. Uh, you know, Tennessee is a tougher team, and it would be interesting if Tennessee does win that, you know, it's only a one-game difference out in the AFC South, but I think Indianapolis should be a good enough team Take care of the Tennessee Titans. Cover the four-point spread, and Joel is with me on that one. Now, for these next five, though, Joel and I have opposite picks here. He sent them in before he uh, had no time with his family. Miami at the New York Jets, minus one and a half at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Joel's going to take the Jets at home. I don't trust their inconsistency right now, especially with the play of Geno Smith. You know, Rex Ryan, who was a, a kind of a controversial talking that he was taking uh, Geno Smith to be a starter this week, but I don't know about that one. I think I think I'll take Miami on the road uh, to get the win there. Just a feeling I have about the Dolphins. They've you know come out and surprised people some of these performances where you wouldn't think they'd be as strong this year. Arizona at Philadelphia minus three and a half. Joel's got the Eagles at home to take care of the Cardinals, but I watched that Cardinals team play last week. Those teams in the NFC West, they are for real. And they start on defense. And I think the defense could shut down the Philadelphia attack. Philadelphia's got to prove themselves at home. And I, I'm not sure that they can do so. So I'll take the Cardinals to beat the Eagles. Denver Broncos at Kansas City Chiefs, plus 4.5 at 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time. It might be trendy to pick Kansas City, but I'm going to take Denver in this one. I think, you know, Peyton Manning is kind of bounced back. And part of that is the cold weather. Peyton Manning does not seem to do well in cold weather. And that's what happened, excuse me, and it happened in Foxborough. Granny, uh, 24-point lead. You can't lose that. But Kansas City lost something more important. They lost two of their pass rushers. And, you know, Tom Bahali to go down like that and another one of their pass rushers uh, to go down to injury. I don't think they're back this week. And that's the only chance they have. Now, the last time... Denver played Kansas City, and that was a couple weeks ago. Peyton Manning with just short passes neutralized that pass rush. And that's what Kansas City has to do. They have to get the pass rush uh, and their defense working to win those games. And we might just start you know, start to see some of these flaws that Kansas City has. Because it might have been about their week schedule that they got them off to that 9-0 start. Uh, they've lost two in a row now. I say make it a third. Though Joel has faith in the, in the Chiefs at home, Arrowhead is a loud place to play. That is for sure. But I'm going to take Denver in this one. Uh, next game, we have the New York Giants at the Washington Redskins. Plus one. And yeah, I'm going to take the Giants on this one. I, look at Washington at home against San Francisco. Uh, that, that was ridiculous to not even score a touchdown there. And I think the Giants are going to be you know, playing for some honor a little bit here as strange as that sounds uh, but give me the Giants they've been playing at least competitive the past couple of weeks which you can't say the same for the Skins and that's going to be the Sunday night game 
at 8.30 p.m. Eastern because Monday Night Football got a nice, nice game. Sometimes you get stinkers on Monday Night Football because those games can't get flexed like the NBC Sunday Night Football games. But Monday Night Football, you have New Orleans Saints at Seattle Seahawks. That's your two top teams right now, I believe, in the NFC where Seattle is the home favorite by six points. The top team in the NFC right now, and it's Monday Night Football at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I think six is a lot against that New Orleans Saints offense. Now, granted, it's a different team away from the indoors at uh, for the Superdome. And Seattle does play very well at home. I do think the Seahawks win the game, but I think it's closer than six. So as far as picking against the spread, I'm going to take the Saints on this one, while Joel has the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so a very, very interesting game. You know, a couple weeks ago, Monday Night Football was, God, what was it? it was the Vikings and some, Vikings and Giants, I think. Yeah, Vikings and Giants. And that may have seemed like a, a good matchup early in the season when they're planning all these out. It was, it was terrible. Just a dreadful watch. This, this is going to be one to watch. Definitely check out Saints and Seahawks on Monday Night Football this week. So to recap, uh, Joel and I only differ on the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn. I am taking Auburn. Notre Dame at Stanford. I have Notre Dame. And Clemson at South Carolina. I'm taking the Gamecocks of South Carolina. In the NFL, um, you know, I'm taking the away teams and Joel's taking the home teams in the Miami at New York Jets game. Arizona Cardinals at Philadelphia Eagles, Denver at Kansas City, and New Orleans Saints at Seattle Seahawks. So we've got some uh, differences of opinion there. Usually you know, we have our picks that we make separate from each other, sometimes line up, and a lot of similarities. But you know, we've got some, uh, some differences there. And look at that. It's almost a full-length episode. Uh, I know I'm exhausted talking for 45 minutes straight. So I'll leave you, you know, with to be spared from the sound of my voice. But hopefully Joel has a relaxing rest of the week. We'll be back next week with episode 50. And what a good one. We'll be getting to, you know, the start of the college football postseason with some of the championship games and some Heisman hype as the uh, selection ceremony will be right around the corner. So with that, I am Peter. And we hope you enjoy the week in sports.